Well, LeBron James hits the game-winning shot at All-Star Weekend, JC, and all of a sudden, at least in Brian Windhorse world, the Lakers are officially on notice. Welcome in. Welcome back. This is the Ethos Lakers podcast, me and JC on this fantastic voyage. JC, let's get right into it because, you know, right before we recorded yesterday, you texted me, you said, hey, let's record something on LeBron's commentary. Obviously, it caused our man, Wendy, to hit the panic button. What What's your take on all of this amidst everything the Lakers have gone through this season? I, I mean, it seems par for the course as far as, like, there being extra drama around this team, despite the fact that if there were any other team with this record and playing this way, they wouldn't be as interesting. But because there are the Lakers and because it is LeBron, everything, you know, he says everything around this team gets amped up an extra level. The the Windhorse thing, I think, does make it pretty interesting because starting with the Harden trade, Brian Windhorse was the one the day before the trade who was reporting that Harden was saying, you know, get me out of Brooklyn, was screaming, get me out of Brooklyn, while Woj for whatever reason, was trying to, to dispel any rumors that other coworkers might be saying. Like, I don't know why, I don't know what was going on there and why he was trying to subtweet Windhorse and what's going on at ESPN. But yeah, I think Windhorse got a lot of credibility that day for, of course, you know, him being Le- the LeBron whisperer. And I mean, it kind of makes sense as far as if you followed LeBron throughout his career, he's very demanding of, of the organizations that he plays for, the teams that he plays for. And I mean, you know, Westbrook might've been his idea, but at the very least he does seem to have acknowledged that it was a bad idea and he wants some, some sort of course correction. And the Lakers didn't really give any, give him any. So here's, here's my take on it because I think that is a more mild take than what I'm going to give you, as usual. You're you're a little bit more mild than I am. I like to be a little bit more inflammatory, but I, you know, I like that we have that balance, JC. Yeah. I mean, you say I will say that like I'm, I'm an unabashed LeBron supporter. This is maybe the second time in his career where I might kind of lean back and be like, this is not exactly the best of optics, LeBron. Like, not the best look. <laughs> well, and you know, listen, no matter how good any of us are at whatever it is that we choose to do. None of us are infallible. So even LeBron James makes mistakes, okay, believe it or not. That all being said in the context of this, I am not here to doubt the credibility of Brian Windhorst because he has been covering LeBron James a lot longer than I ever did. Now, I got the great fortune of being in NBA media as my full-time career, before I decided to go into education. So I'm very fortunate for every opportunity received. And it is a tough industry in which you really have to work hard. And there's a reason that he's been so successful, like others who have maintained that staying power, right? That's true of anyone, no matter what it is that they do. So I agree that there is some level of credibility to be put behind this. But here's here's my issue. First of all, I understand Windhorse, like Woj or anyone else, I, don't, I realize they don't write their own headlines. Okay, so I'm not going to put the headline on him. But what I am saying is let's just stop stating the obvious. Right. Because any team, as you alluded to, that LeBron has ever been on is in his entire life since competitive basketball was a thing in his life, has experienced some pressure to win. He has always been the best player on his team at any and every level in which he has competed. So whether he was on his high school team, whether he was on the Cleveland Cavaliers, Miami Heat, Los Angeles Lakers, an Olympics team, or anything in between, 
This has always been the case. LeBron and Anthony Davis were both very vocal about the desire to play one with one another. The Lakers were able to facilitate that opportunity, in turn became a near immediate championship, which the Lakers organization should still be proud of, and those guys should still be proud of, while demanding accountability in the present time. As you said, JC, maybe LeBron acknowledges that Westbrook was an idea that he signed off on, but by the same token, when you make a decision, when you decide to pursue an option, you are flexing out your opportunity cost. And we understand that LeBron also met with Damian Lillard this summer. And LeBron may or may not have had conversations with Bradley Beal this summer. And I'm not saying that either of those guys were available at the time, but the Lakers were pretty very much clearly holding out hope that at least one of those two would become available and they'd be able to make that trade for a third star who really fits the construct of the team much better than Westbrook or a number of other targets could have. At some point, the Lakers basically said, well, fuck it. We're going to go ahead and do it, right? Because we want that guarantee. We don't want the the non-guarantee. We're concerned about depth. We all sat here and said, man, it would be nice if at least somebody who is durable would be able to step into that sort of role, that spotlight, that whatever you want. So LeBron and or AD could take a night or two off here and there because in LeBron's case, where he is in his career, and in AD's case, the durability that he's shown or lack thereof at certain moments in, the, in his career. Unfortunately for the Lakers, it has been a confluence of factors that has aggravated all of those things and resulted what we've seen so far to date. Westbrook has been the questionable fit that so many of us said he would be, but to very dramatic extents at times, so much so that there were calls to not only trade him, but literally put him on the bench. Furthermore, you've had LeBron miss time with injury as a complication of basically his age and not much more than that, the mileage on his tires. Lastly, AD has fallen victim to, again, the injury bug this season where he is now set to miss his second extended stretch of time. So, JC, you hope that all of these things don't happen in the course of the same season, let alone at the same time. The Lakers have had no shortage of problems, but to say that the pressure is on the organization in an effort to relieve the pressure off of LeBron, I need LeBron to stand up in that room and say, it's on me. This has been mine, and I think yours as well, sort of our critique of of the players this season. It's not that I'm okay with losing, but I understand that losing happens. And as I've said many times, sometimes you have ideas that just don't work, but you have to be able to own it and say, it's on us. There's nothing that someone else could have done better. And to have this idea that the organization owes LeBron something, the organization that has catered to LeBron since his arrival and has been a very mutually beneficial relationship, I think it's just sort of a weird way to go about it. Yeah, and that's that's how I mean. Like, you know, we spent all of last week or all of the trade deadline basically kind of condemning James Harden for throwing a temper tantrum on his way out of Brooklyn. And this isn't, I mean, you know, people that don't like LeBron are probably say this is kind of the same thing, but he's not quitting on this team. But it is, it is a little unbecoming of, you know, to, just to be able to to question the organization to let to let it leak that Clutch is not happy with the Lakers. I don't think that sets up a good a, a good relationship for wherever else he might go if he were to go somewhere else. It's basically putting out the message that Clutch is going to be in charge of wherever else he goes, and I don't know what other teams would necessarily want to take that on. 
Well, here's the thing. I mean, talent's always going to win out in the NBA, right? So the more guys that sign with Clutch, the more that they're going to be able to control the marketplace. Just like the more agents that feed Woj or Shams or any insider more information, it leverages the ability of the reporter in that case. So to some extent, I hear what you're saying. On the other extent, I, I kind of wonder if it really matters. But at the end of the day, for me, it's just that this, this team, this construct, this iteration of players, the coaching style, the coaching staff, there is no one singular problem. I know everybody wants to say Westbrook, Westbrook, Westbrook. I agree that Westbrook is part of the issue, but there is no one singular problem, no one singular issue, JC, that is so apparent that it will cure this team's ills. In fact, all we have heard this season, all we have heard from this team, uh, it's okay, we're going to turn it on when we need to, give us time. Duh, you kind of, we're bored by the regular season, basically. We have nothing left to prove. Well, you know what? This team has a lot to prove. They have to stop leveraging the Los Angeles lifestyle of being an entitled son of a bitch and start showing that they care about things on the court. And JC, to their credit, in the last two games before the All-Star break, a very, very, very narrow loss against the Warriors that required Klay Thompson's literal best game in three years and both LeBron and Anthony Davis going ice cold in the fourth quarter to lose by two points. Following that, in the game in which AD went down with the injury, a comeback win against a very good Utah Jazz team with Rudy Gobert in the lineup. It looked like this team, as I said to you just before we started recording today, it looked like this team was finally interested in competing, and damn, it's about time. Yeah, and in both of those games, I mean, the the one highlight of the season has been the discovery of Austin Reeves, and in both of those games, Golden State and Utah, Austin Reeves was just out of this world. He was really great in the fourth quarter. He's turning into a really great on-ball defender for the most part, despite the fact that Clay had his best game of the season Austin Reeves was kind of holding him in check, and he was—he proved to be a good one-on-one defender. And he has an advantage over, you know, the Caruso that we lost in that he's taller. He's maybe not a little bit more athletic, but, but being bigger and probably a little bit of a better shooter, he hit that clutch shot against Utah. Yeah, he's he should be around for the long haul. The most exciting thing for me about the last two games was watching the way Russell Westbrook finally decided to play, JC. Finally getting into the paint, finally having guys trail him into the paint. That's where he can make his damage done, not settling for jump shots around the key or behind the arc or all these fakakta godforsaken positions that he's put himself and his team into this year. Over the last two games, Russell Westbrook shooting 50% from the field. He's only averaging 18 points, only seven rebounds, only five and a half assists. It's not that those are terrible numbers. It's just that he doesn't need to be that Russell Westbrook on speed version, for lack of a better way to explain this, that we saw in OKC, that we've seen in Washington, that we saw briefly in Houston. He doesn't need to be that one-man show, this wrecking ball that only goes at one speed for this team. He just needs to play his part. And if he can really, really, really commit to that and understand it and stay out of his head— Russell Westbrook has a chance to be a difference maker without having a statistical explosion on the stat sheet in the absence of Anthony Davis in particular. Yeah, I agree. And and the way he's been playing has been really great. His his stat lines are, you know, not not out of this world stupendous. The the problem is still 
his lingering contract. And it's one of the reasons why I've talked about it. if he can be convinced to opt out of the 45 or 47 million he's getting next season, if he was going to resign after next season for another 50 or so million, resign, have him opt out and resign for a three year, $70 million deal, a three year, you know, stretch that money out because he can play three more years. If, if he's not as big of a hit on the salary cap, and he's going to play the way he's played the last two games. Yeah, that'll work out fine. If the issue becomes if they can't sign players because of his contract. I got to I got to ask you, and I promise you, I don't mean for this to be a loaded question, but I have to ask you. Given how Russell Westbrook has been received by Laker Nation this year, if the Lakers were to engage in contract extension conversations, do you think that Lakers fans? are smart enough, and I promise, I'm not trying to trap you with this question, mm-hmm. Lakers fans, or at least the majority of Lakers fans, are smart enough to understand the impact that could have versus just seeing it for the sticker shock that we all know it would cause. Uh, I mean, I don't know about uh, majority. I think more and more NBA fans are becoming a little smarter. Like, one of the things you immediately heard after the Harden trade was five years from now, when he's 37... He's going to make $61 million that season. Like, you think Russell Westbrook this season is a disaster? James Harden, five years from now, making $60 million in one year. I can't even imagine. And so I do think people have a basic understanding of salary cap ramifications. And that there might be an ignorant sum that might hear that scenario I talked about and be like, three more years of Russell Westbrook? Are you serious? But, again, if that money is stretched out and – and the Lakers have the room to sign more players because of a smaller cap hit, the ones who understand that I think will be down. When you just said James Harden was making 60-plus million dollars at age 37, all I saw was Rick Ross's buddy double just burying himself in wing stop. So that's where my brain is right now. So I get what you're saying on Westbrook. you got to play the long game in order to play the short game. So I think that when it's explained like that, it can at least be defensible. At the same time, I what you're asking Russell Westbrook to do in that construct, right? Because he's going to make, let's say, $45, $47 million. He'll never, ever, ever, ever make that much in a season again. Do you agree with that, no matter what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if he opts in, that's right. the last time he'll make that much in a season. Right. Okay, okay. So this is his last opportunity to make that much in, in, in a single season. And how much that matters to him is, I guess, something we could potentially see. Because the reality is, let's say he opts in. After that, you're telling me that he's he's saying that I can't get more than two years and $25 million after that contract expires to get the same amount of money, right? To get $45, $47 million guaranteed this year, I need two years and $25 million to match three years and, and $70 million. You think Russell Westbrook would have trouble getting a two-year $25 million deal after that? Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I mean, if he if he plays like he has the, the early part of this season, yeah, I don't I don't see him. I mean, it's I a legitimate question. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to like mock, break it down or like or like mock the consideration because I think it's something that. You know, not a lot of Lakers fans or maybe even the front office, to be honest with you, is considering. And I really like the, the potential of it if and only if it, it provides something that you sacrifice by acquiring Westbrook in that optionality, which I was talking about just a few minutes ago. You're really one of the only people I've heard pushing this concept. So I'm really into it in terms of the original thought. I'm just trying to play a little bit of a devil's advocate and be get into Russell Westbrook's mind space because if he feels or his representation or whatever, we think that he can't get two and 25, that does make that potential structure more appealing from his side. And what's the value of him remaining in at home and playing for the Lakers? If that value is, you know, that that's always going to depend on the player. But for him, who's got a wife, who's got two kids, maybe it's a little bit higher. And he might have more than two kids, but I know he has two for sure. Yeah, it yeah, it just kind of depends on on what's important to him. But yeah, as far as other se- other teams, like, I mean, the way NBA Twitter is, and I don't know how much teams really he's got three, to that or, or you know, if he signs with another team, I don't think a lot of fans would be into that. You know, after this season, and you know, even if he, and so because of that, I yeah, I think twenty five million per season after. When he's going to be what 36, 37, something like that. Yeah, I don't know uh, how many fans would be down with that, and so that's why I don't know if another team would really sign him in that case. Like I'm sure somebody would sign him. You hope it's not, you, you know, you hope it's not like a veteran's minimum at that point in his career because he is a better player than that. But I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll fall quite all the way into that spiral, but. Nonetheless, but, I hear you. Definitely. Carmelo like, I, like, think of what, what happened with Carmelo Anthony. He was out of the league for a year and almost two years, basically. It's, and now, now he's a vet minimum guy. It's it's true. I think I think it's a I think it's very difficult, given the type of player that Westbrook is, to defensively bring him in as a supporting player, and as a as a result, that sort of artificially pushes down his earning potential and what i mean in english when i say that is that because like carmelo and i think that's a sort of interesting parallel that you draw like carmelo nobody wanted to sign carmelo not in part because they didn't think he couldn't play but they didn't think he would accept his role as a supporting cast member right and so we're not we don't really want to play or excuse me we don't really want to pay mellow eight or ten million dollars a year because he's just going to be sort of a headache if he's not the star. Therefore, we're going to use that money on you know someone who might have even less talent, but we think is going to be a better fit. And as a result of that, after that market sort of dries up between the stars getting their max contract and then the next wave of guys getting their mid-levels, biannuals, all that, 
What's left is minimum contracts. And so if you're in need of a job and you have no real leverage, you wind up having to sort of settle or play that game. So there is a pathway for that too. That said, you know, I think something really dramatic and drastic would have to happen. But we've seen comparable things happen, and there is no such thing in the NBA as untradeable. There is no such thing as we impossible because we've seen all of that happen. We've said it time and time again, and sure enough, here we are. So it is going to be a very interesting ride as Russell Westbrook tries to sort of prove his worth once again, despite what he may say in his press conferences uh, throughout the season in the wake of Anthony Davis being out of the lineup. And JC, when Anthony Davis went out of that lineup, I literally just smiled and I said, well, thank God that I don't have to write the blurb on this one because <laughs> I am just in an emotional state. So that's a good time to remind everyone to take a moment and follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and it provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Click that follow button. We're three quarters into the season. It's just about time to start ramping up in preparation of the fantasy playoffs. Don't miss the opportunity. JC, AD, it did not look good. It did not look good. It did not look good in real time. It did not look good in slow motion. And it did not look good when he did not return. Until it looked good at the very end and Lakers were able to come back. So assuming they're able to play with that same level of energy and fight and competitiveness, you know, you're going to have to ask Russell Westbrook and, of course, LeBron James to play just gargantuan roles on this team. The thought yeah. is, they see that that AD is only going to miss a couple of weeks, maybe. It feels like to me he's probably going to miss a little bit longer than that. Yeah, I think reevaluated after four weeks. Um, yeah, when that happened, like spra- sprained ankles are a weird thing because of the way the ankle bends. It, it always looks like a break. If you've ever sprained an ankle yourself, it always feels like a break. It almost never is a break. I saw that, and I was like, that's for sure broken. <laughs> and, I mean, sure enough, it wasn't. But, yeah, it looked it looked about as bad as a sprained ankle can look. Like, it was terrible. It was, it was so bad. Ironically, I have actually both sprained and broken my ankles, so I know what it feels like in both cases, but it ain't good either way. Mid-foot sprain and reevaluated in four weeks. So who even knows what it is? Because mid-foot sprain and ankle sprain are two very different injuries. AD has dealt with a calf strain before, which is really more about the Achilles than the calf. So when you're that big, you're that lanky, and you've got issues with your feet, it always reminds me of Yao Ming. That's basically what ended his career is he couldn't get that that foot to cooperate with him. And so it's a real concern. I mean, the Lakers, you're talking about a scenario in which the Lakers could basically be without Anthony Davis for the rest of the regular season, whatever is left of, or, you know, during that time period. And then if they're fortunate enough to get into the playoffs, which is no guarantee, potentially even starting without him. So this is not a good development the Lakers being reliant on the buyout market in an effort to upgrade the roster. I don't see a lot materializing in the way of, of something that's really going to help this club at this point in the season. This idea that, oh, wait until Ariza, wait until none, wait until, wait until, wait until is just so overplayed. We've talked about it 
time and time and time again on our episodes, the Lakers are, are going to have to figure it out with what's on the roster. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, yeah, Anthony Davis, when he comes back, because he's had foot issues with either the strained calf slash Achilles and now an ankle, a midfoot, like, I, I know he loves Kobe. I know he loves playing in those shoes. Those shoes are way too low cut for, for a player that plays the way he does. Uh, he might need to consult with somebody like Steph. Like Steph Curry almost had ankle issues that almost took him out of the league, and he wears those huge bulky ankle braces, and he still wears low-cut shoes. And, you know, some people kind of make fun of him because they look kind of goofy, but, like, dude runs around, and he almost you almost never hear him spraining an ankle anymore. And, he, you know, he might need to look into something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor, but at the same time, like, this team needs – him to be able to be available the team absolutely needs him to be able to to be relied upon reliability and availability are two of the biggest abilities in the nba and really in any professional sphere jc so lakers need to be able to get a little bit more there but in the interim they're gonna have to just do it without him and uh do it without him indeed as the lakers come out on the other side of the break jc we're looking at a schedule in which it would really 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 be something if they could go 4-0 out of the shoot here, two games against the Clippers, game against the Pelicans, and a game against the Mavericks. JC, if the Lakers are able to go 4-0 before they take on the Warriors again, and they're able to pull up some ground in the standings and uh, make up a little bit of space as they try to get out of that playoffs, uh, playoff play-in scenario potentially, the Lakers win four straight, JC. They'd be at 500 for the first time in a little while. Yeah, and I mean, even though they've got a little bit of a cushion from the 11th spot, which is which is lottery town, Portland is definitely on their way up. Like the the gap between the Lakers and Portland used to be bigger. Portland is coming up. Their they their team is playing really well after their trades of acquiring Josh Hart and I forgot who else they acquired, but they've been playing really well lately. And so yeah, they're they're coming up, and it's not exactly an easy ask to. You know, to say beat the Clippers, beat the beat the Mavericks because Mavericks are fifth in the West and the Clippers are one spot ahead of the Lakers, but it's definitely doable. They they were able to beat Utah the way they were when Utah was fully healthy. Yeah, anything is possible with this team. Before we uh, start wrapping it up, the other side of the season, it's, everybody says the halfway point, but literally three quarters into the season. JC, how do you feel? about All-Star Weekend. Now that we've had a minute to digest it, marinate on it, all those things, I, I think, let me just let me just preface that by saying, the league is very lucky that the game itself was so entertaining, so no one was talking about Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, since they revamped the format and the games have been really entertaining the last four or five years, uh, I... I love basketball. I've loved basketball since I was like six years old. All-Star Saturday night used to be, and Friday night, even with the, the rookie sophomore game and the, the celebrity, like every everything All-Star weekend, I would consume. I would I, be in front I, of, I would anything cut else. all schedules. No matter what, I had to be yeah, in front of it. Exactly, exactly. Like even, even like maybe 10, 15 years ago, JC, even going back to quote unquote that recently enough ago, like for me, that's when I was in college. Like, I would give up going out for the weekend because, no, fuck that. I'm trying to watch this, you know? Yeah. Really watch it. Now, I worked through it this weekend. And I really, 
felt I like I missed. Saturday, I didn't watch Saturday. <laughs> I, I felt like I missed nothing. I did. I I caught most of the three point competition because that's what's interesting to me at this point, more more than anything. And I loved the towns won it because I called it and I got witnesses on that. So if anyone wants to ask them, please feel free. Oh man, if you had a bet on that, he was plus twelve hundred. Oh, if I had bet on that, I would have really been feeling a little bit better than what I than what I what I felt like afterward because I said exactly that. I said, "Damn it, I should have actually bet on that." JC, if you were to bet on something, where would you bet? Uh, mybookie.ag. Why would you bet? Why would you bet at mybookie.ag? Uh, with promo code Hoopball, they will. I believe they'll match you to first deposit. Yes, they will. So don't forget about mybookie.ag. We love them there. Shout out to manscaped.com. Use the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. 20% off your order and free shipping. Called Carl Anthony Towns a three-point contest, JC. The skills competition, I appreciate that they revamped the format. The problem is they need to revamp the whole evening. And the skills competition needs to go away. Nobody, nobody is coming to All-Star Saturday night to watch guys passing. I'm sorry. Like, that's just, it's not it. Okay, so let's let's start there. Furthermore, the dunk contest, there is no incentive for anyone even moderately good at it to participate because it's all downside. So that's why you get these competitions, uh, air quotes, competitions like the one that we saw this year. It's just not it. They got to end with the three point contest. That's the most exciting thing in today's NBA is the three point contest. And with that, and really think about what you could do on Saturday night because the current format is really lacking some juice. But what won't be lacking juice, JC, is the fact that we got the other side of the season to go with LeBron and now Westbrook leading the way. We'll see if the Lakers roster changes a little bit at all. Do you think the Lakers pick up on where that how they had been playing? Do you think they're able to capture that energy? Or do you think this is another facade in a season full of mirages? Uh, I mean, it's so hard to say. I mean, especially you don't know what the aftermath of these of the these stories about clutch and lebron not being happy with the lakers you don't know if there'll be any kind of aftermath you know they they've they've got to fall pretty far to to be in in lotto land and so you know they've got a little bit of a cushion and so because of that i think they'll they'll still keep playing hard i think if they get to the even if there's like 10 15 games and they're mathematically eliminated for whatever reason then i think you'll see LeBron shut down for those games, but yeah. And, and speaking of which, if that is a concern for Lakers fans, I looked it up. If the if God forbid the Lakers do end up in the lottery, they they do have a pick this in this lottery if it's one through eight. If it's nine or higher, it goes to I forget, but the Lakers don't own it if it's nine or higher. Wonderful. The way that this season has gone for the most part, <laughs> I expect the Lakers to be picking ninth and therefore not picking it at all. All of that said, hopefully we find ourselves in the playoff picture, as is usually the case in Lakerland, especially since LeBron has joined the team. All right, JC, until next time, Laker Nation, thanks for listening to the Ethos Lakers pod. He's JC. I'm Ethan. Find us on Twitter at JCDeLeon1 and me at Ethan underscore Noroff. You find us over at Ethos Lakers. Until next time, we out.